His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. And your love forever. I hope I can share this. Um, where does your life come from? And I'd had a situation uh, where I was afraid, and I was realizing I was afraid, and I've never been one to admit it. I just, I'm like, I'm not afraid. Not afraid. And I, as a kid, I was really kind of uh, stupid bold. I mean, I just was. I mean, I hitchhiked. I did all kinds of things that now I look back. And I, one time we were in a van and there was a bunch of um, hippies because it was the hippies, hippie days. And people did hitchhike a lot back then, but we were a bunch of hippies and they were all smoking pot and doing LSD. And of course I didn't, you know, and I was with my friend and we were in the Jesus movement. And so we're going to share Jesus with them. It's out in Boston. And I look over on the side of the van and there's a picture of Jesus and he goes I had long hair why can't I you know so that was a big you know it was a big poster back then and so anyway the guys all that was about five or six of them in the van it was one of them big travel van type things it was like a cage actually and they were like hey you want some you know and we're like nah you know and they're all yeah you want some and I'm like you know you see that man on the wall right there that's got the long hair, his name's Jesus Christ, he's better than anything you're taking right now. Oh, yeah, cool. You know, <laughs> but I, I watched a lot of people come to the Lord during that time because we were just bold. I wasn't afraid. So I don't like the word fear anyway. And, and as you get older, maybe you face things a little more. But I was telling the Lord, I'm kind of afraid of that, you know, and he said to me, he said, who lives in you? And I said, you do? He said, I'm not afraid. I went, oh, I'm not afraid. My fear doesn't have a chance when I realize who's in me. Sometimes you just got to get down to it and go, wait a minute. Who is in me? (sighs) I'm not afraid. And all of a sudden, those things that were hindering me weren't anymore. So the Lord's just been speaking. Where does your life come from? Where, what is your source? If it comes from you or your provision or your skills, then you're extremely limited. If it comes from our relationship with Jesus, then our resources are unlimited. Kind of what Ron shared. When we come to Christ, to the kingdom, we have a choice to stay at the door. Now, I want to I say this because this is where the church of Jesus Christ in America is at. To stay at the door and receive his salvation. Do I believe that you can stay at the door and receive your salvation and do nothing else? I do. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that. Because he is so merciful and so kind and so gracious. I truly do. I believe there are a lot of people who have said yes to Jesus, and that was it, and they're at the door. But one of the reasons that you get baptized, and we're going to have some baptisms pretty soon. had a a few of the um, kids wanting to get baptized. One of the reasons you get baptized, and this is the big issue, is not only has he forgiven you, and that's great. Forgiveness, yay. Get into heaven. Free ticket. Come on. Forgiven. But you died with him. And when you get in that water, you're representing the truth that you, Teresa, died. 
you died and now your life is hidden with Christ and God. In other words, he is your life. He is your life. So you've just come through the door. So when you come up out of that water, you're declaring to the world, I no longer live for myself. I live for Christ. I no longer live in me. I live in him. We have died. The Bible says to be born again, you have to die. We have. But so many stay right at that door. And they don't go on in. Why? Because you have to live dead. You have to live dead. You have to recognize daily. Daily. I have died with Christ. I have daily. And daily, I do what he wants, not what I want. Daily. You're saying goodbye to the world. Do you realize that? You know, I always hear people go, well, Christians are so different. Yes, we are different. We're born again and we're part of heaven now. That makes you different. It makes you listen and not try to be like the world. You got to listen to him and what's he saying? What does he say? A lot of things he doesn't care about. I don't think he cares about styles. I don't think he cares about things like that. But he cares about holiness. He does. He cares about what pollutes your heart and your mind. He does. Why? Because you're a heavenly being. I'm I'm of heaven now. So when you're baptized and you come out of that water, you're declaring, that is my life now. And sometimes people forget. They think it's about them. And I think the church is forgotten because America tells you life is about you. What you want, what you asked for, what you did. Now, I'm not telling you he doesn't care because he loves us. But I am telling you it's never about you. It's about him. And I can read scripture after scripture after scripture that it's not about you. And yet how much he loves us. Matthew 6.33, so above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. Constantly chase after the kingdom. So now you've come through the door and you're running. Holy Spirit, give me wind because I want to keep running. I want to go through and take the mountains and take every place you want me to go. Holy Spirit, I'm seeking you. And that righteousness is righteousness, peace, and joy that floods from him. Everything else in your life will be taken care of if you run the race. 2 Corinthians 5.15, whether we live or die, eternal life, the dying is here to eternal life, we make it our passion to live our lives pleasing to him. You guys, that's what it's all about. What is your passion? What's your passion? Oh, it's music. Oh, it's sports. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Your passion needs to be Jesus Christ. And then he'll take care of the rest. Whether we live or die, we make it our passion to live our lives pleasing to him. All for him. All for him. He died for us so we will live, all live, not for ourselves. Now, does that make you different than everyone else? Oh, yeah. You're not living for yourself. You're living for him. The church has to wake up and realize, I don't feel like praying today. It doesn't matter. You're not living for yourself and what you feel. I feel afraid. It doesn't matter. You're not living what you feel. The church is full of self-pity. 
oh, I prayed for this and I didn't get it. I prayed for this and I didn't get it. I'm telling you, God is showing us. Do you know self-pity is the biggest demon there is? Did you know that? It can change everything in your life when you listen to it. It'll tell you you have no friends. It'll tell you you were all alone. It will tell you nobody cares. And it will tell you God doesn't care either. He died for us. Ultimately, it doesn't matter as, as we walk by faith in good things or hard things. Paul was saying this. In good things or hard things. How many can say that? It doesn't matter. I'm in a good time right now. I'm in a hard time right now. It doesn't matter. Our purpose stays fixed, and that's to please him. Life is short and temporary. In time, we will all stand. Now, this is the issue that everyone needs to know. You're going to stand before the judgment seat. All of us will. The whole world will stand there before Jesus, who poured out his blood and loved us. And it's going to be what you did in that body of yours as to what you receive. You can receive eternal life and riches forever. Or you're going to see your whole life that you lived on earth that was a gift to you, by the way, burn up. And I'm going, I'm sorry, but I already made a choice to die. I chose it. I got rebaptized because I wanted to choose it, really understanding I'm dying. It's not for me. The rest of my life is for him. And people have asked me, how, ca- how have you gone through such hard things? You know, I've known people that have lost one child and stayed in that place forever. I'm not, you know, I have gone through a lot of things, but I am not living for me. I'm not living for me today. I'm not living that Ron would live, live from his cancer. I'm not living from any of it. My life is whole because of Christ and that alone. Not because everything will go well and all our family will be reunited again and we'll have all these wonderful, wonderful things. I am his. And I have joy every single day because of him. And he's going, church, get hungry for the one who died for you. Life is short and temporary. In time, we'll all stand in the judgment before the throne of Christ our Savior to receive what is just for our lives lived on earth. Actions done, whether good or worthless. I don't know about you, but that's the end of the story, and it will be. And if you want to know the end of the story, that will be the end. And whether I live a long life or a short life, let it all be done for glory. Let it all. I'm asking God to set us free from the self-pity and the self-centeredness that we have had in this nation. I believe you'll see revival when the church isn't about itself anymore. And it isn't about everything. I mean, I'm not saying God doesn't want to bless us with riches and bless our businesses and bless our children and heal and show signs and wonders and mighty things, but not with a pity and you better give me what I want. God set us free. I love this. I don't know if you've ever read uh, 
Katie, kisses from Katie. But it's an amazing story. She's a lot like Heidi Baker, and she was a teenager, 19 years old, and she went to Africa, and she adopted um, maybe 16 children. I mean, she went, stayed single, chose not to get married, and went over to have, her ch- have these children. And God just blessed her. Now she's got this ministry, and God has done that. And I, I kind of wondered what had happened to her. Well, Hannah gave me this book for my birthday. And I just read, read Christine Kane's the same way. And Christine Kane goes all over the world. She's saving uh, children from sex trafficking. And she's got this huge, amazing ministry. Now, I don't know about you, but you read stories like that and you think, man, what am I doing? And you know what the Lord told me? He said, I made every flower individual, every single one. And I love the details of every single flower. So I don't want to hear you saying that anymore. What you do is his period. And I thought about Terry this morning in that, and I almost brought my picture of my hand. She had me draw my hand. Gave me a headache. Because, no, it did. Because that woman can see details on, on uh, the tip of a butterfly wing. I mean, I, seriously, she can. She can see these details. And she sees the beauty of everything that God created. God sees every one of us as the most beautiful flower in the field. Every single one of us. That's why he wants us to love each other. He looks around and goes, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. There isn't any of our lives that are not absolutely beautiful to him. And so I'm reading Katie and I'm, you know, thinking, now that's a beautiful flower, you know. And I, w- and I felt that way with Christine Kane. And she began to talk about the same thing. She got cancer, had a best friend betray her, had one thing after another happen. And she said, where's God in all of the mess? And she came to, he's the same. He's the same. And I'm going to tell you how you live your life is whether you glorify him in your pain. It is. I can tell you it's easy to glorify in victories. Have you ever had a hard time when you won a game? Now, I've had a hard time being quiet and going, hey, I won. Seriously. Maybe jumping up and down and cheering. I'm a little dramatic. I'm serious. But have you ever glorified God in your losses? I'm telling you, his disciples do. His true children No, he's the prize, not everything they wanted. So I started reading this, and I thought, oh, my gosh. (laughs) God began to redefine his language things that I had once defined on my own. I'd always believed that beauty could be found in all things. Up until recently, I thought beauty was found in happy endings. In fact, I never liked to read books that didn't have happy endings. And by the way, we do get happy endings because Jesus uh, finished it all. Up until recently, I thought this beauty was found in happy endings. I unknowingly believed, because this is the test everybody's going to go through, everyone. I honestly believed that God's blessings was evident only when things turned out well. I mean, I'm going to read that again. That God's blessing was evident only when things turned out well. And so I kept asking and waiting for the beauty to be revealed on my terms. And I want to tell you, I wanted to write the story all tied up nicely with a bow on top. 
The story with the happy ending was what I wanted. Pretty and neat and not painful and not confusing. So she had adopted a little girl that um, had come to her um, abandoned in a house. And that child was the light of that family's life. She was delightful and full of personality and absolutely a joy to get up to every single day. And she followed Katie around everywhere, and she was just an absolute joy. And it was getting ready for her fifth birthday. Can you imagine? Fifth birthday. Had that, had that baby since. Baby. And along comes her mother, who's never been in the picture, ever. The child does not know her mother. Katie didn't know her mother either. And she had to give the child back. Well, she warred. Anybody ever warred in that pain? She warred. She fasted and she prayed and she cried out. And she said things inside of her had to start getting redefined. Was God really good? How could he let this happen? Is the devil that big? Anybody ever ask those questions? God, how powerful are you? And she said, days and weeks and months went by, and the story wasn't ending my way. I looked around at my Ugandan brothers and sisters, also fervent believers in Christ, and this is all over the world, you guys. The persecuted Christians have to fight to even be able to get together and worship. We can't even fathom. Our freedoms are so great. I look around at them, also fervent believers in Christ, and all the ways their stories were not ending in the ways they had planned or desired either. I knew women who were faithful wives and mothers, faithful to the word of God, who still had to pick through heaps of trash to find something to feed their children at the end of the day. I knew families who loved their children just as much as I loved mine, but had to watch them die because they didn't have access to affordable medical care. We have it here. No matter what your child has, there's care. I knew children left parentless due to simple, preventable, treatable diseases. Everywhere I looked, suffering abounded. This realization left me with two explanations. Either God is not actually who he says he is, or he is, and I need to relearn how to know him, even in hardship. I devoured scripture in a new way to find answers. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things, all things we need? Could I believe this, that God would give all things? And I knew that I was serving God because of who he is, not because I was getting what I wanted. So after all my cries and all my pleas, he had an answer. And his answer was not yes. But he didn't remain silent. He said, and this is the power of Christ in our lives. I will make this beautiful too. The other day, I was singing a song to the Lord. 
And I said, Lord, I'm your vessel, and you're the best cook ever. And you can take any recipe and make it taste good. You can take everything the devil throws at you, and you can make it good. You can take everything the devil throws at you, and you can make it good. My God is the best cook. He can handle any recipe. He's making glory in me. He's making glory in me. Nobody in my house. I'm going to tell you something. Whatever he's thrown at you, let him use it. Whatever he's thrown it at you, glorify him. And that's what she found out. She started putting thankful scriptures. Thankful, thankful, thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. You guys, there isn't any of us that don't have anything that, that have no reason not to be thankful. The church of Jesus Christ has every reason to be thankful every moment of every day. And we need to tell that demon of self-pity to get out of here. You guys, we need to be filled with gratefulness. I don't know why things happen, and it doesn't matter anymore. My God is a great cook, and whatever gets thrown at me, he makes for glory. He knows how to turn everything, everything for glory. My life is glory because he's turned things for me. I still counsel people that have lost children. And you would think that the world had ended. That world did. Seriously. I remember the day that I had to choose to move on and believe that Jesus Christ was enough for me. Because David wasn't coming back. Jacob wasn't coming back. My brother Mark, who was like my son, was not coming back. And I don't believe you have to go through hard things. I think you need to start being thankful right now. You need to start thanking God for what you have. You need to thank God when you get to go to the doctor and have things treated on your children. You need to thank God that you can come to church and you can worship and pray. And nobody is going to stop you. You need to thank God for every single thing he has done. And I'm telling you, this hunger thing that we were crying out for, I knew gratitude was the issue. You're not hungry when you have pity. When you have pity, you want to occupy yourself with something that makes you feel good. Instead of, what do you want me to give today? You know, when we started walking through this, and I walked through grief of John leaving too. I mean, I did, and it was a good thing, and they're doing great out there, and I'm happy for them, but it was hard. One more for me, child, I don't get to see my grandkids all the time. I'm telling you, I grieved, and it was hard, and then we got the diagnosis of Ron with cancer, and then we walked, started walking through that, and I had to learn how to cook, and I had to learn how to do all those things, and I had to learn to do all of that, and I'm telling you, pity would have killed me. It tried to. The Lord told me, he says, no, there's a season of grieving. It's okay if you grieve. It's okay if you cry and say, Lord, this hurts me. It's okay, but get up. Get out of it. Get over it. I'm telling you, you guys, God is calling us to be the most grateful people on earth. There is no reason you shouldn't be. There is no reason I shouldn't be. None. When people see me, they need to see that I am happy because of Jesus. I am joyful because of him. 
I haven't gotten everything I've wanted. Things have thrown at me that I don't know the answers why. But I've stopped taking blame on things too, and you got to do that, you guys. That's part of this gratitude thing. You got to stop taking blame on everything that comes down the pike. You know, when people backslide or they go away and they aren't walking with the Lord and they've been in our church, I have thought somehow I failed. I did something I needed to do more. Maybe I could have. Maybe I could have. Well, I'm going to tell you, they weren't happy. They weren't happy with their husbands. They weren't happy with their lives. And it blew up when they left. It wasn't my blame. You guys, we need to love each other with all our hearts. But there isn't anyone here that can blame anyone else. You cannot blame your mom and dad. I've heard that too. Well, we look at our mom and dad as, as uh, uh, who God is. You know what? That was when you thought like a child. When you grow up, you get over it. Your mom and dad are flawed, and so are you, and it's okay. I don't care. I'm a cracked pot. I'm a vessel that he said I want to use for glory. I'm exactly what he wants me to be. And, and, and all the hardships I had in my childhood have only made me a better pot. There you go. I'm serious. Use it for glory. Instead of, well, my parents and this and that and the bitterness, use it for glory. God is calling the church to be revival. And we can't be if we don't see his glory. But he said, Father, now I think this is amazing. He's getting ready to go to this cross that is going to literally destroy him. And he said, Father, glorify me so that I might glorify you. And I've been crying out to the Lord, glorify me. That meant the cross, that I might glorify you. Now, I'm going to tell you, once you embrace the death, then you get the joy. You can live in joy no matter what comes. No matter what the enemy throws, you can rejoice. You know, Teresa and I were talking about this, and I said, we were talking about this pity thing, and, 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 and we both said, it comes with this, and you guys need to listen. A situation happens. For instance, our refrigerator's rusting. We're going to get a new refrigerator. They all happen at the same year. Is that amazing? Okay. Anyway, it's happening, so it's more money. And your first response is, oh, no. Oh, no. That's self-pity. I'm telling you. Teresa and I were both, and I was like, it is. And it is my God is not in control. Oh, no, another problem. I'm going to tell you, infirmity is the same way. You get infirmity because you sit and oh, no, yourself. I'm serious. Oh, no, I hurt. Oh, no, this. Oh, no, what's that? Oh, no, what's this disease? Oh, no. And, I'm, and it brings infirmity right on. When you have self-pity, it brings infirmity. It just does. It's an opening. Every time that we have no gratitude, we have opened the shield to get attacked. And when we have gratitude, it says, how will he not freely take care of all things? I don't know that God promised me a perfect life on earth. I don't. And it didn't happen. He promised me that he'd be with me, and he promised me it'd be all for glory. 
And when I stand before him someday, I pray that I can say, I loved you through every circumstance. And I didn't get bitter. I, I stayed forgiving. There was nothing in me that was, well, if they just, you guys get rid of the, if they just too. It's not about anybody. It's not about your mates. It's not about your parents. It's not about your children. Oh, my kids are so hard. Well, I was blessed with hard, glorious children. They are glorious. But there wasn't anything that I said do that they did not do the opposite. That was just the way they were made, gloriously. Gloriously. I'm just telling you. That's who they are. And I know that's what they're going to walk in fully. You may have genuine sorrows, but to not praise is to give in to this self-pity. It becomes your idol, master, and what you worship. I love this. This song, I wrote this song years ago. I don't even remember the tune to it anymore. But I had just lost Jacob, and, my, and, and I was walking through the things with my brother. And the Lord gave me the book of Habakkuk. And I've told you about it before because I'd had a vision of the, a blanket coming down off the wall, and this was about revival coming. This vision will come, and it will not tarry. Well, it feels a little long to me. Self-pity can say, wow, you promised me that. that you know, this, this wave that were, where, what I prophesied, he promised it to me 20-some years ago. Whoa, had a vision that long ago. You know what? That's short to him. Anyway, I wrote this song, because the Lord was dealing with me. You're not going to get up and move on. You've lost a child. We were married. 20, what were we, 22 years old when Jacob died? 22 or 23 years old. One child had been in the hospital for a month and a half in traction. And Ron and I, see, it, it just people were calling us Job, whatever. And then, and then the second child died right as the other one got out of the hospital. And you talk about self-pity wanting to come in and say, what are you following Jesus for? What in the world? And he gave me this song. But it's a song for the church today. This is what Habakkuk said. How come evil seems to prosper when I pray? I prayed for that. I should see all the answers. You know what? I want to see all the he healing signs and wonders of the book of Acts. I believe it. How come I'm still praying and I haven't seen them all yet, Lord? Guess what? I trust him. And I praise him for every answer I do see. And I just say, come on, more. I believe today, more for all of us. So here's the scripture. The Lord spoke to him and said, write the vision. Hearts, this is my vision. Hearts healed. I want to see hearts healed. I've had two children die with heart problems. Hearts healed. Kingdom come. Building for generations and establishing work. Always has been, always will be. Hearts healed. Kingdom come. Write it clearly for us and make it plain in journals 
I don't write on a tablet anymore. Anybody writing a journal, make your vision plain. That we may run towards it and be encouraged when we read it. I'm going to see this. I'm going to see generations come together healed. I'm going to see it in my lifetime. The vision is for God's appointed time. And at that time, it will happen. Declare itself and it will be a reality that can be seen even if the appointed time seems to never come. <laughs> don't listen. Ooh, that was power. Even if the appointed time seems to never come, don't listen to the lies of the enemy. God will do what he has said. It will be done. It will. You guys, it will. If you are depending on your own works and strength, you're not able to embrace him. The receiver of his works and goodness lives by faith in God's son, his salvation and power. Habakkuk 2, 14. The time will be when the glory of the Lord, and I believe this is the revival that it's talking about. The glory of the Lord fills the earth as the waves cover the sea. And he said, I'm in awe when I consider all you've done. Revive your work in our lifetime. God's on the move. His splendor overtakes the skies. His praise fills every corner of the earth. His radiance is like a bright light. Rays stream down from his hand, and there his power is the glory of the Lord coming on the earth. So here's, here's my song. I've, I've uh, paraphrased it. <laughs> Even if I have no food, you going to praise? Even if I have no drink. Children of Israel had neither one out in the wilderness. Even if my bank account is empty. Even if my house burns down. Redding just experienced that. Thousand families. Even if my children stray. Even if I'm sick and all alone doesn't matter. I still will rejoice. I will still praise in the God who saves me, my Savior and my Father and my friend. I will still praise. He alone is my strength and healing. He alone is my shield. He alone is my bread and water. He alone is my friend. He alone is my joy. I will praise him in the night. Some of us need to get up in the night and start praising. I will praise him in the day. Some of us need to sing a song about God's recipe and everything he's throwing because he's going to cook something good up in you. Okay. <laughs> I will praise him in the day. My walk is straight. My walk is strong. And Ron and I both were talking about this on the way in. I walk with him on high places. Hallelujah. I see from heaven's view. Hallelujah. It ain't over till it's over. Hallelujah. It ain't over till it's over. There's a scripture that I love. Um, hopefully I marked it right. We are like common clay jars. We're the bowls. We're the bowls he's cooking in. They carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, I imagine if we all got together, we could probably add a big bowl of them 
we're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. I don't know about you, but if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, have you ever tried to quit? It can't quit. It just gets right back up. I had Teresa tell me last week, you won't quit. I've watched you. You just won't quit. I can't. He's alive in me. He's powerful, and he doesn't quit. Quitting's not an option. We're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies. We recognize our baptism, that we died in him. We share daily. I died with him. So that the resurrection life of Jesus can be revealed in our human bodies. So no wonder we don't give up. Even if our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is renewed every single day. And here's Paul saying this. We view our slight, short-lived troubles and life in the light of eternity. That's heaven's view. The light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces. It's what he's cooking. The substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison because we don't focus our attention on what's seen but on what's unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want us to take communion today, and I want us to do it different. I want us to take communion with thanksgiving today. And when you get your communion, I guess you can't do You can take your bread and dip it, and then you've got it with you. When you get your communion, I want you, if you can't kneel, that's fine, but just stand at the altar and thank him. Not just what he did on the cross, but come with a grateful heart and tell him I offer my heart of gratefulness to you. I'm going to be a grateful child. People are going to see that gratefulness in me. And I'm leaving self-pity at the altar if that's where it needs to stay because he knows how to stomp on that thing. But I felt like um, if you want to bring the communion table up. And um, worship team, we're going to sing a song before we take communion, communion too. But I just felt like, you guys, wherever gratitude is, wherever gratitude is, unbelief and self-pity cannot live. Wherever there's gratitude, it can't live. And I don't want it living near me. I don't want it in my house. I don't want it in my head. I don't want it in my nighttime. I don't want it in my daytime. I choose. I choose. And I may get some no's in life, you guys. And you may too. I'm not telling you to give up on what you've prayed for. But you know, I watched Sally Burton pour her life out for revival, and she's in heaven right now. Is she going to get what she prayed for? Absolutely. I'm telling you, sometimes you get no's. Sometimes you get wait. Sometimes you get, do you trust me? Will you rejoice in me right now? Maybe your trial is the very thing that's supposed to be bringing glory. 
and you want to get rid of it. Seriously. Maybe your trial, people are going, I don't know how they do it. They are constantly full of joy. And I know that has to be hard for them because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. You guys, he's calling us to a deeper place. He wants revival, but we got to be ready for it. And I know if our hearts are not full of gratitude, we will push it away. Thank you for listening to this message. Jesus.